Hello and welcome to a week 14 rest of season top 150 and fantasy playoff preview. My name is Adam Levitan. As always, joined by the Stone Cold Virgins, you know and love Mike Leone and Mark Dankenbring. I have to start with Leone here because uh, you are alive. You survived the game. Uh, it was... I, I don't want to say it was a boring game because when things are that unique, I actually kind of find it interesting, but I don't know where people in the stands like getting tilted about the game plan from the Patriots or what was going on there. I mean, it was tilting that you knew they were going to run and like, we still couldn't stop it for a large chunk of the game that, that, that was tilting, but I don't know. It was fun. Like everyone was standing the whole time because it was cold and like, I don't know. Everybody was into it. It was, it was good atmosphere. It was fun. Uh, I, first of all, uh, Leone just used the, the thing that I hate more than anything. We, we couldn't stop the run. I mean, imagine, <laughs> imagine Leone being out there trying to stop Damian Harris. We, it's absolutely ridiculous. Uh, did you see the size of the coat I had? I think I could have taken up some <laughs> blockers at least. <laughs> Not only did we have that, but then AWS went down yesterday, which, uh, for you guys who are familiar with the internet at all, I mean, Jesus, Leone, what a, what a 48 hour whirlwind for you with this, with this, what a mess. The AW, I, I was just taken for granted. I was like, it's Amazon. They'll fix it, you know, in an hour, like yeah. tops. Yeah. But we're back, baby. Mark, good morning. Good morning. So uh, I want to talk about playoffs a little bit here because, um, first of all, I'm tilted at the NFL for scheduling bye weeks in week 14. I mean, this is absolutely ridiculous. If you're listening to this and you work at the NFL, I mean, we can't have bye weeks in week 14 anymore. We just can't. The fantasy community cannot have it because some leagues want to start their playoffs in week 14. Now, I know a lot of people have shifted to week 15, 16, 17, but still, that said, I think there's some strategy going into this that we can take. One big thing for me that I, I always do, like later in the year when I think my team is good and I don't really need bench spots as much, is just start rostering all the best handcuffs, like everybody, you know, Ramondre, Pollard, Madison. I mean, I mean, everybody try to get those type of guys on your team. I'm sure those guys are gone now. In most leagues, however, Leone, do you have any advice for people as we head into the playoffs on things they can do to get their team kind of tuned up? Yeah, I mean, some of the stashes, which we'll talk about, like Amir Abdullah is a good one for Carolina if they play differently. But as far as macro strategy, you just kind of want to understand, you know, the strengths of your team and where you're at, you know, it, especially if you're playing in like FFPC, NFFC type league, like constructing the bench is really important. Like you get 10 bench spots. You know, someone was asking me about backup kickers on FFPC. Like that sounds ridiculous. But if you're in a league that locks free agency after the playoffs start, you know, you might want to carry a backup kicker if your team's relatively healthy and you don't need all 10 of those bench spots and just kind of ensuring that you have backups at each position. Like you don't want to be, have a, a monster team just be absolutely dusted because you're like, oh, I'm going to play Travis Kelsey at tight end. Well, he gets hurt, like replacing those points is important. So if you have a large bench, I do think it makes sense to solidify, make sure that you have backups everywhere. Uh, if free agency is going to lock, if it's not going to lock, you can be, you know, obviously a little bit more aggressive where you take a strategy like you're doing and you just continue to stash like these lottery tickets that can still have a huge return, even in a small time frame like the playoffs. Well, it I know you're anti-handcuff. Uh, are you still anti-handcuff? Like, if you had Jonathan Taylor, would you try to get Marlon Mack? Because, like, Marlon Mack hasn't even been active, like, literally been inactive. But if Jonathan Taylor got hurt, I'm pretty sure he would slide into, like, some version of the JT role, right? 
Yeah, that that one's a tough one. I'm not as anti-handcuff as we get into the season, right? Like beginning of the season, I'm kind of anti-handcuff because you're trying to build these monster teams. There's going to be chaos over like the whole course of the season. We're at the end of the season. You're making the playoffs. You've already got a really good team. I don't have any problems with making that team a little bit more robust, you know, you know, and sacrificing some of that bench upside because you you might not necessarily need it if you've got built-in starters. Like, you know, I've got a team with JT and Swift heading into the playoffs. Like, assuming Swift returns in week 15 for the playoffs, like I'm starting those two at running back no matter what. Like, I don't really need to hit on a huge stash. It's more important for me to have like, okay, Swift goes down. I need to be able to replace him, you know, like, like just give me some points. So uh, I'm, I'm fine with handcuffing your own running back at this point. It, it's just tough if it's not clear, like, uh, and I don't know how clear the Marlon Mack stuff is. Uh, I'm a little uncertain on that. Okay. There's also more scheduling stuff. And I hate at the beginning of the year when people try to say, Oh, this team has a really good schedule. This team has a really bad schedule because we don't really know there's gonna be so many injuries not only on offense, but on defense, and the teams are going to play way worse or way better than we think. But at this point, I think we have a pretty good idea of what good matchups are. Mark, is there anything people can do from a scheduling perspective right now as we get set for the playoffs? Yeah, so I think heading into the playoffs, you know, every team you face is going to have a pretty solid roster, right? So the the edges are going to come kind of at the fringes with potentially a, a defensive you know, matchup that you can stream or a defense that maybe has two or three good matchups that you could stash at the end of the bench, you know, kind of like Leone said with the Jonathan Taylor and DeAndre Swift thing, like he's going to be starting those two guys no matter what. So, you know, if you're at receiver and and you have five or six receivers on your team and you're going to start three of them pretty much no matter what, you know, you can kind of cut that fifth or sixth receiver on your team and and stash a defense or something that could give you the edge in the playoffs. Um, you know, at the beginning of the season, people were touting the San Francisco playoff schedule, and that has mm-hmm. held true. Their their schedule is amazing offensively uh, with Atlanta, Tennessee, and Houston coming up. And then defensively, I looked at a few spots. Um, and Miami is a team that I thought was interesting because they have a bye this week. So I'm imagining a lot of teams will drop them. They should be available. And they get the Jets um, at home in the first week of the fantasy playoffs in 15, week 15. And then they get the Saints and the Titans, who are both – you know, two offenses we're not too afraid of. So they'd probably be my top stash at this point. And then we've seen Kansas City's defense pick it up as well. Uh, they get the Chargers, you know, who have one of the highest pass rates in the league. And, and we talk about at ETR, which I think is super sharp, you know, using defenses against teams that drop back to pass lock because we're looking for sacks and interceptions and things along those lines. And then they get Pittsburgh, you know, with, with Big Ben back there. And then the Bengals, who have a weak offensive line. So I think they're an interesting stash for the playoffs as well. For sure. Okay. Yeah, I, I think also, if you guys are subscribers, Ryan Reynolds does preparing for the playoffs article and at the bottom of Waiver Wired, he looks ahead also to try to help people as they get stashes. I'd highly recommend that if you're grinding the season-long streets and are still in the mix. I want to talk about some micro situations. And this Alvin Kamara thing was something that I was arguing with you guys, I think Leone specifically, and a bunch of people about before the season. I had a monster fade on, on Alvin Kamara. I, I didn't take him, I don't think, at all in round one. And part of my reasoning for that, and there were a lot of reasons, but part of it was that if Taysom Hill got under center, I had major concerns about Alvin Kamara's target share. Taysom Hill's throw rate at running back is so much less than Drew Brees. And even I think Jameis Winston's was. So how are we thinking about Alvin Kamara now 
Leone, are you on my side here? Where like I have a Kamara coming back from injury with a questionable target share. It's like I know people are going to play him in DFS against the Jets. I haven't looked at his price yet, but I can really like feel myself. I can feel like my body tingling with an Alvin <laughs> Kamara fade on Sunday. What do you think about him coming back this week? Well, I, I think in season long, I think you're still pretty excited for the playoffs. Yeah. Like it's been a, a war of attrition at the running back position, and so much have dropped. And you know, there's definitely some concerns with the target share, and also Taysom, you know, taking some goal line responsibilities, and just is the offense going to score? Period. So, I get those concerns, but I think if you look back at the games with Taysom last year, you know, they they were pretty manageable in terms of the offensive success. We had that one super outlier game against the Broncos when they started Kendall Hinton. If you throw that out, you know, we did have one huge kind of Kamara target game out of the mm-hmm. three that Taysom played. They don't have Michael Thomas like they did last year. I still think they have to manufacture touches for Kamara in the passing game. So I know like from a DFS standpoint, we're still probably going to project him with a high teens target share, which is really important. Uh, the carries I do expect to be kind of that split we had last year with Mark Ingram, though. Like we're not going to get the Kamara we had at the very beginning of the year when he had like 80% of the team's you know, carries. It's going to be like you know, 50%, maybe not even for Kamara. And then like 25% for Ingram, 25% for Taysom Hill. So there's a little bit more risk on the pure volume side that, you know, he was managing early, but uh, yeah, ultimately I I think he's someone that you're, you know, you're pretty stoked to play in the playoffs, just looking at the running back position as a whole. Yeah. And and of course in season long, like there's not that many options. I think in DFS, when we have the whole board, I I find Kamara's four ceiling combo way worse than it was with Breeze, Breeze and certainly way worse than For it was, sure. at least worse than it was with uh, Jameis Winston. I am, however, excited about this Taysom Hill stuff because as you guys saw last week, like Taysom Hill doesn't even have to play well for him to wreck a slate. Like he ran for over 100 yards. And so we have Taysom here at QB 13, which I think is fair, especially because we don't even, we're not even sure he's going to start the rest of the games the rest of the year. But man, like straight up right now, you know, like him versus Burrow, him versus Russ and stuff like that. I think it's, Really, really close. Mark, let's talk about the Taysom Hill rest of season projection. How would you feel about starting him in the fantasy playoffs? I'd feel good about it. I mean, you mentioned it. it he's he's the classic so much better at fantasy than he is in real life. Uh, and, and if he was healthy, I would definitely start him over Russ and Burrow, I think, at this point, just because the the rushing floor you get is, is so good. And we could see with his finger injury, you know, they might just lean into the rushing game even more. They're down you know, a couple more weapons at wide receiver, Deontay Harris, who has pretty much been their, their best receiver over the last four weeks um, is suspended for the next three games. And then they also cut Kenny stills. Uh, he wasn't really doing anything, but still just the, the weapons to choose from there are dwindling quickly. Uh, so it could, you know, just be a run heavy game with Kamara back. And I think they should get at least one of their tackles back this week. I think Ryan Ramchick uh, should be expected back and, and maybe Teron Armstead as well. So we could just see them ground and pound the rest of the way. Um, I want to talk about some muddled running back situations quickly. The 49ers stuff, Leone, I mean, my God, we were actually on it this week and we didn't get enough props off on it, but we were actually on it because we had Eli Mitchell with the overwhelming amount of work. We could have taken Eli Mitchell overs, which we were showing Jeff Wilson unders and Jermichael hasty unders. We ended up just taking the hasty unders, but we would have hit all three when Eli Mitchell is healthy. I mean, they freaking love this dude. Jeff Wilson and Jermichael hasty combined to play just four snaps in that game in week 13. However, it's even more muddled now because Eli Mitchell is in the concussion protocol. I saw Jeff yeah. Wilson, like he got banged up and his knee remains an issue. We don't even have Jermichael Hasty listed on here, but Jermichael Hasty could end up being the feature back 
on Sunday. And obviously anyone in a feature back role for Kyle Shanahan in this really run heavy scheme is worth a lot. They're playing Cincinnati this week. So this is a really muddled situation. And I'd also like to get your comment on the Denver Javante versus Melvin situation, but go ahead, Leonie. Yeah, I think for San Francisco, these are spots you want to be pretty proactive. Like it's tough us ranking rest this season, but I'd be picking up hasty in the majority of leagues just to see what happens, how, how it plays out. Because if you do get a workhorse back, we've seen San Francisco be willing to kind of lean on whoever it is, as long as it's not Trey Sermon uh, back there. And it's a pretty valuable role because they have such an efficient run game scheme wise. And, you know, they're pretty overall, the offense is above average. And as Mark said, they're entering just a ridiculously awesome schedule. So I'd be picking up hasty and not just this situation, but anytime you see a running back, you know, prop pop up on the injury report early in the week, like sometimes there's a tendency to wait and see what happens. Like, Oh, he was, you know, he missed practice, but it's not a big deal. I do think you're better off as long as you have like a pretty clear spot, like really being proactive and stashing that running back because I think more frequently than you would expect those, you know, it doesn't matter. DMPs do turn out to actually be something and your reward's pretty big, uh, you know, if the starter misses. As far as the Denver situation, that's really difficult. We got smoked on the Javante under prop bet, which uh, I still think was amazing uh, bet at 109 and a half yards, but we were wrong in terms of, they went full workhorse on Javante. You know, they barely mixed in Mike Boone. So I think that's super huge for Javante's upside to just know that if Melvin Gordon's, you know, going to remain banged up or miss any games, you're going to get essentially a back that you'd be drafting at like the one, two turn, you know, if you redrafted, but while Melvin Gordon's there, I'm still worried that they, they just straight split. Um, maybe they start leaning at Javante's way a little bit, He's been playable even with Melvin Gordon there, but I don't, I mean, I could be wrong. I don't think we're going to see workhorse Javante while Melvin Gordon's there and healthy. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I thought one thing that we saw from Javante was, you know, they threw him the ball so much. I mean, he had six catches in that game against yeah. the Chiefs. And obviously Chiefs are a really good spot for any running back. But yeah, I mean, just that they're willing and he's capable of catching the ball at that high of a rate, I think is really encouraging. Melvin's injury did not seem overly serious to me, so... Um, but we'll see. We're taping this Wednesday early before Wednesday practice reports come out. We shall see there. There's a lot of running backs, Mark, that have created muddled situations through playing through injury or being injured. And that would bring me to Ezekiel Elliott, to Daryl Henderson, to Dalvin Cook, to DeAndre Swift. I mean, all these guys are either out or seemingly playing through something. It's a really difficult exercise to rank all these guys. I mean, the Zeke thing like it sticks out to me as one where they're just being so stubborn. Maybe the extra long week gets him back closer to full health. But God, I mean, anybody with two eyes sees that Pollard is better. And then on the DeAndre Swift thing, like they have zero motivation to rush this kid back. I mean, absolutely none. So that's a scary one for me too. What do you think about some of these injury riddled running back spots? It's really, it's really tough to diagnose. Um, you know, we have Zeke, I think, still at RB7, which felt so gross to rank in there just because he just isn't passing the eye test right now. And, um, you know, Pollard seems like the better fantasy back. He's definitely the more efficient fantasy point scorer at this point. I mean, out of that group, I, I think I feel the best about Dalvin Cook. Um, he had a he had a limited practice report yesterday, and obviously they play on Thursday this week, so he's not going to be back. But then it's a long gap between um, their next game. They play Monday night against the bears in week 15. So I think he should be back for then. And, 
Um, you know, I guess he's been playing with this separated shoulder on the other side. So he's clearly played through it before. I, I think he should have, you know, a pretty full workload once he returns and they have a decent playoff schedule. Uh, so I, I think I feel the best about Dalvin Cook because, you know, we've seen with with guys like DeAndre Swift on teams like the Lions that are struggling. As you said, they're just going to be extra cautious. I mean, he's probably the, their most valuable offensive asset at this point uh, in terms of skill position players. So, um, you know, I could see them holding him back an extra week. But I, I, the, the practice reports there, I think this week will be interesting to see if he gets limited at all and, and should let us know if he's back for week 15 or not. Uh, speaking of Pollard earning more work, speaking of Javante earning more work, I'm a little worried for the Daryl Henderson stuff that Sony has earned more work, Leone. And like, I'm worried because I have some of my best, best ball teams. I got Daryl Henderson like the 12th round. And now I'm like, Oh God, now we're going to the playoffs here. And they're going to start giving Sony a lot of work when I need Daryl Henderson the most. How do you think that split works out going forward between Sony and D Hendo? Yeah, I'm a little concerned too. We also, but but we also saw a really competitive, like important game for the Rams before Henderson was out against the Packers, where like that game was close in the second half. And they were trailing a little bit and they went 100% Daryl Henderson. So, mm -hmm. you know, McVay seems to have a tendency that whoever the lead back is, he's going to ride. Like it's kind of strange, but he really doesn't seem like he wants to split carries too much. So I think we see like 70 30 in Henderson's favor, where that's not ideal, but you're still pretty happy starting him each week. It does seem like Henderson's ceiling for whatever reason has been capped. It's like he, he hits those 20, you know, fantasy points, which is great, but like it just seems like he can't quite like there's just a little bit of volume missing, a little bit of efficiency missing for him to hit those like huge, super high ceiling performances. So that's kind of why we have him ranked where we do behind, you know, some of those other guys. And it's kind of a crazy year, you know, if you have if you drafted one of our top five backs that are ranked right now, not our preseason top five, but our current top five, like <laughs> just the fact that these guys have stayed healthy and played all year, uh, you know, you're, you're in such good shape. Um, it's really, we yeah. see the chaos at running back every year, but we've really seen it this year. Sure. And, and, and there's going to be chaos that uh, is going to make a huge difference down the stretch. Like Ramondre Stevenson sticks out to me. If this mm -hmm. Damian Harris hamstring injury ends up being serious. Ramondre is set up, I think, pretty well. Although, I, they might have a bye. I don't even know. Um, but Ramondre, they have a bye this week. but They have a bye this week, right? Yeah, exactly. So that's obviously a problem if you're in the playoffs this week. But if you can make it to week 15, Ramondre could be really strong if Damian Harris is out. And then the Elijah Moore stuff. I mean, Elijah Moore is coming on like crazy. And so what you see at the yeah. end of every year is young players, rookie players after their bye late in the season, making huge, 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 Differences, even with Zach Wilson out there, Elijah looks like a star. So, I mean, there's guys like that that I think, yeah, you know, some of the uh, Daryl Henderson stuff isn't looking great. Saquon stuff isn't looking great. Zeke isn't looking great. But if you can get some of these young guys, it makes a big, big, big difference. Anything else you want to say, uh, Mark, on any of these guys? Devontae Parker came back. Julio coming back. Anything else on guys that we think can make a difference down the stretch? I think the Devontae Parker one's interesting. Miami is I think quite pretty quietly in the top five in pass rate, you know, they've been throwing the ball a decent amount and, and Devonte Parker, he only had five targets this past week, his first game under seven, but he caught all five. And so I think he has a pretty decent floor and, you know, he was out so long. I bet, I bet you he's available in a handful of leagues. So I think he's an interesting guy to pick up. Um, and then Julio, I don't know. I mean, I, I've kind of lost hope on Julio at this point. I mean, uh, I, I don't, I don't pro, have, I'll make a pro Julio case, which is, 
you know, AJ Brown's not eligible to return until week 16. So like this offense right now has nothing. Uh, We could see 30% Julio target shares, whether like I'm with Mark in terms of, you know, it seems super questionable that he's going to be fully healthy, but it seems worth a shot. Like he's, he might've been dropped in some of your leagues, your shallower leagues that um, there's just going to be nobody else on the wire with the type of volume upside that Julio Jones has. And I I think that's worth taking a stab at. Yeah, I think it's decent. I mean, we haven't seen him develop too much rapport with Tannehill. That's kind of my only, like if he was coming back and playing with Matt Ryan, I'd feel more confident about it. Just haven't really seen the connection there too much. Um, But yeah, I think Ramondre is, is a great stash. They get, um, they get Buffalo again in week 15, I believe, which is interesting week 16. Uh, and then they get the Jags in the fantasy playoffs. So if he is somehow the lead back there against the Jags in the finals, you know, that could be kind of like a league winning type play. All right. Congrats to everybody still alive. Congrats to everybody in the playoffs coming up in week 14, 15, 16, 17. Uh, I, for one, am very excited to see a Twitter timeline full of everybody's best ball brags. I mean, that's what I'm looking forward to most over the next week. So be sure to tweet at Leone and Mark all the results from all your best ball. Uh, Each one of your best ball teams, actually, I'd like to see a full breakdown. Send those to Mark and to Mike. Four. Leone. Four. Mark. I am Adam. Good luck, everybody.